0: Hi everyone, welcome to our first Prosper Talks and I would just like to let you know that you guys are in for a treat. We recorded this video last week as part of one of our critical thinking sessions that we run at the Prosper Network and I'm just so excited for everyone to hear this and this topic is a special topic for me and Shannon. It's something that's key for in terms of the ethos of Badoo and that is that our background, culture, heritage, identity is a superpower and not an obstacle when we go to pursue our dreams, our careers. And I hope that through this podcast that you're about to listen, hopefully you feel empowered, I guess, gain confidence. Know that you can go to wherever you want and hopefully inspire many other people as well so that we can change the narrative, create change, and fully pursue our dreams. So welcome to our first Prosper Talks, um, run by the Prosper Network. I want to introduce you a lot to our panel. So starting with the co-leads for the Prosper Network, i.e. me, Nadim, and we've got
1: Yeah, you got me. Um, Hi, everyone. My name is Shannon and I am one of the co-leads and founders of the Prosper Network. I'm very excited for today's discussion. I'll pass on to our associates.
2: Hi, my name is Ozzy and I'm a Prosper Network associate. I'm also a student at the University of Birmingham and I'm currently on my year abroad in Indonesia.
3: Hi, my name is Fatima. I'm a student at Swansea University studying population health and medical sciences.
2: Thank you.
0: And Sherry?
4: Hi, I'm Sherry. I'm a biomed student at St. George's, currently undertaking a placement year at the UK. Thank you. And finally, Yassin.
0: How are you guys. Doing? I'm Yassin. Uh, a student at OMC University. Studying. Thank you so much. And we also got a little special guest, the CEO of Bedu, uh, Bedu Sports. Uh, Mr. Badu, do you want to introduce yourself?
5: Hi, do. thank you for having me. I'm so excited about your first um, Prosper Talks, so yeah. So a rundown of what Prosper Talks is,
0: it allows us to have a space where we can have, you know, give our opinions and talk, you know, creating, I guess talk about narratives so that we can change narratives. You know, we want to show what, you know, Critical Thinking Sessions are about and just, I guess, change the narrative. And um, today's topic is going to be on I'm proud to be defined by my background, it is my superpower, not an obstacle, a key topic, uh, which is so important, especially in the month of Black History Month as well. So, Shannon, I'm going to leave it to you.
1: Yes, obviously, I'm going to cut this part out. Yas is just going to pray for five minutes. He'll be back in a bit. But before we kind of delve into the topic, from hearing the question, obviously you guys signed up to it. Thank you for joining us. But what were the sort of things that came to mind when you first saw that statement? What were the sort of themes, topics? Just what were your thoughts around it, essentially, on that expression? Identify identity is not um, an obstacle, it's a superpower.
2: Well, the first thing that came to mind, being someone from a mixed background, is I feel like growing up as an ethnic minority in... A country that is predominantly dominated by a certain demographic, a certain culture, a certain way of being—you often feel pressurized and ashamed of your background and of your identity. So, what first came to mind was was that that battle, that inner conflict of of growing up in a country where you don't feel comfortable about being yourself, and all that all that comes with that—you know—the identity crisis, the the discrimination and how to navigate that as as young people growing up in in the uk um
4: i felt i i don't know if i would say hurt but i felt like that statement whoever was to say it is acknowledging my place in society like in an unfortunate way so you know the first thing people will see will say when they see me is that i'm a black young woman and that's fine i don't have a problem with that. i'm quite happy to be a black young woman but The fact fact that the statement is even saying it's not an obstacle, is displaying the fact that it's been seen as an obstacle. My, My physical attributes, the way I look, the way I talk, and all of the things that make me me have been seen as an obstacle. And so that in itself, without even the rest of the statement, is just a key point in terms of, okay, so we understand that there's a problem here. My identity, that one, I did not choose, but two, I have no control over. Is being seen as a problem and being seen as something that hinders me the fact that this has been highlighted shows this like this is a consensus throughout the country and it quite clearly is so one just plainly look at that first and then we can continue with the rest of the statement and I think that's the part that put me out first is just that sort of acknowledgement that whoever said it whether it was someone of a person a person of colour or even a person that may not be of colour that sort of change and I think it'd be even more powerful if it was from a person that was of colour because you're making that comment because you've seen how I've been treated based on the things I do and things that the way I look which is not as I say anything I could have chosen but the fact that you know that it's an obstacle is saying something that means that there must be a change going on there must be some level of acknowledgement of my position in society versus your position in society and what does that mean for the two of us I thought that was
1: interesting that was really interesting points um so being someone who is like in I guess the professional space, and I think someone who's very big on their sense of identity and establishment of their identity in the workspace. Um, when you hear that statement, how does that speak to you?
5: Um, yeah, sorry, I was just changing rooms, but um, okay. yeah, like um, it's it's it takes a bit of like just listening to it and hearing it because it's like, first of all, it's always surprising that that's even been mentioned or discussed um, because like growing up in our time, the, you're meant to be invincible at so, all, like you're not really like you didn't exist. And also you should be lucky to even mention. So what what I felt like we tried to do was to get like um like a right validation in everything we do and be as close as possible. So I think a statement like that was always like for me, it probably takes it gives me a, like giving me a few listening to your thoughts and giving me a few seconds of like, that wow like I know it's not fast enough but so how far we've come that now is open and discussed in, in in that way. That's just for me, and maybe parents before me would have probably before, I can't even believe that's even a um, you're on the box to tick. Um, what identity are you from in terms of the workplace? Because you actually wasn't on that list, you wasn't even allowed in that space. So um, yeah, I'm not I'm I'm not sure. At the moment. I can probably come back to you with my answer. No, yeah. oh,
1: ex- exactly, and you know my, my dissertation is kind of on this topic, and I was reading something, and it was saying that for obviously the categories to define it was originally race when they switched it to um, ethnicity and the idea of like mixed race was only introduced in like the 20th century um and then slowly it started to integrate more categories but I read something very interesting that was like a lot of these categories are still too broad even like um even they would like list out all the like different ethnicities you are but a lot of people are still um not within these categories firstly and also it doesn't give you a space for free text where you're allowed to like sort of develop like, but okay, but what does that identity mean to you? It's like a requirement you have to fill this out. Um, Nothing to do, nothing about it, nothing about how you feel about your sense of ethnicity ethnicity, um, or your nationality. Like when they tell you, like for us, I'd put British as my nationality, but I don't know how much it speaks to me personally. And I feel like things like data doesn't capture that. And then it's like, how can you promote change when you don't even, captured the relevance of the data you collate um because it's just so boring. it's just like okay tick 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 we've done this we've reached the target which we've reached, we've reached our quota so it's like what next really um but i want to put the question out there um ooh, which question should i go with sorry we've got some really interesting questions but okay everyone here is very talented and very skillful and knowledgeable um and we always talk about your unique selling point and your personal brand. And I was having this discussion with Nadim the other day and it was like, if I had to regard an aspect of myself more highly than others, for me, I personally don't really talk about my gender. Like, I think that's just because I'm surrounded by a lot of very... Um, strong, independent women, like my mum, my sister. Um, So I'm never going on about, oh, I'm a woman in this field, I'm a woman in this politics, I'm a woman, like, I don't really talk about that too much, but what I do regard highly is my cultural identity. Where I'm from, being from Hackney, I hold that very highly to myself because it gives me a lens and a perspective. So I was going to ask you, do you... Firstly, first question is, Do you feel like there's a part of your sense of personal identity that you regard more highly than others so it could be a racial cultural political religious um and we'll answer that question first before i delve into the the sort of next next question but is there a part where you really hold it highly that it drives your decision your actions um your way of life your way of thinking
2: well i think like like anything in life especially with identity yeah, the, goal, the goalposts are always moving. So sometimes you're, sometimes you're embracing parts of your identity at certain points in your life that you wouldn't have before. So I think it's a constantly shifting paradigm where, where as you grow up and you learn more about yourself and you learn more about your identity, that it's it's constantly shifting, especially growing up in a society where you're often you're often taught to suppress certain parts of your identity to fit in, like Nana was talking about for either it's white approval or whatever it may be. So for me personally, a part of my identity that, that has always been important is class, So I think that's fundamentally shaped my upbringing, my perspective. But that's always shifting. For example, coming out to Indonesia, now all of a sudden, I'm embracing a lot of my English identity. I'm, I'm realizing how much it's a fry up or, or a Sunday roast, and you know, little things like that. So it's always constantly, constantly shifting.
3: Um, I, I understand what Ozzy's saying in that it's always changing. But I think one thing that has always stuck with me, ever since I left Gambia, that is, is that I grew up, I I've, I've grown up in Gambia. So wherever I go, I always find myself saying that. I always put that out there because I just think. Even though a lot of people have lived in Gambia moved to the UK, it's not something that everyone has. I just think it's special to me and it plays a lot in the way I think and the way I do things. So
0: I have a question for you, Fatima, uh, regarding that. I think as I've spoken to like people who like immigrated, so like have lived part of their life in one country. And there's usually from what I've observed, there's usually two reasons why they'll disclose that is either they're really proud and they're proud of the way they grew up and the thinking they want to translate that to So the environment they're in now or is the opposite in terms of they feel like because they grew up in a different country, they want to compensate like, oh, I don't speak good English because I grew up out there or I can't, I'm not as proficient. You know, what is that? And if it's too personal, it's okay for you to question. It's just out of just of like just curiosity. How was it for you? And has that changed? Maybe have you learned to love through, you know, the fact that you grew up in Gambia first?
6: Um.
3: I'm gonna say yes because when I first came to the UK, um, I wouldn't really speak to people. Not that I couldn't speak English, I've I've spoken English before I started to speak any of the other gambling languages. But I just found myself always thinking that, oh I don't speak like them, I don't have the same accent, um, we don't have the same lingo, and initially it was a thing of like, I don't want to speak because of this, but afterwards I just learned to really embrace it because not only am I not speaking like you but it makes me stand out because as soon as you hear me speak you're going to know that okay she's not from here but another thing is it shapes the way I think and even with like making decisions or trying to apply for certain stuff because there's certain stuff it's pushed me to do certain stuff like um, working in healthcare over the summer initially I was like oh this is too hard I'm not going to do it but afterwards I thought if I wanted to go back to Gambia and I wanted to compare healthcare systems or Um, just improve certain things. The experience I've had while shadowing in Gambia and the experience I've had whilst working in the UK, from there I'm able to devise a plan as to how I'm gonna, as to what things need to change, what things I can that I've learned from the UK I can take back to Gambia and what things I've learned from Gambia, even though it's a smaller country that I think should be implemented in the UK. So just little things like that. I don't know if that really
0: answered your question. No, that makes amazing sense. You know, I think as always, I always wish that, you know, having like, for example, now Ozzy being in Indonesia, he's going to have a different mindset. He's going to come back with a whole new mindset because he's explored two sides, you know, like two sides of a different, you know, one coin. And now you, you, you just, you just, you grow. I think Shannon, you have a story like that, you know, because of your year in St. Lucia and you, you know, you were telling me about the growth. Do you want to sort of talk about the growth that you've had because yeah. of your year in St. Lucia?
1: yeah it's I remember like it's actually more to do with education actually the shift in that but I remember like coming the systems out here are a lot different and we being a first world country and having all these opportunities I do think we take a lot of it for granted um first when I go out there and I'm like all for them like here you could you could drop out of school in year two and still somehow get a job like you're 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 okay you you, you have a bit more security here but out there education is just is prime that education is the driving factor but it's never in a way that's like everyone loves it it's never in a way that's it's inflicted and forced upon you everyone has a genuine passion to just do really really well they're in that mindset that you know i just want to i just 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 want to just do so well so i can open up doors for myself um and i think that just completely shifted the value of how i how i saw education as um here i was cruising there i struggled academically they are so advanced and i wish this, I wish first world countries valued um, third world countries' education education systems. I get so like annoyed when they talk about like if you do a degree in the third world countries and it translates over to here, it loses its um, credibility. And it's, I just think that's absolutely ridiculous because it's the exact same practice. It's just because we're not as economically developed doesn't mean you're any less knowledgeable and i think that's where society goes wrong um in trying to merge those two things together um, but one thing that does really make does make that makes me very sad is the fact that you know not everyone is in a position to be able to leave or when they do leave people never want to go back and i think that's where it's like the f- countries that are less economically developed they're never going to develop because they want to go back there and develop it it's like oh i've made it out of there but you know a big part of being in those spaces are to inspire and empower you and i think people try to dissociate um once they leave not everyone but i've, I've noticed it um yeah i just think it's just it's such a such an interesting topic i think yes you wanted to say something um just before Fatima spoke um do you want to did you want to mention anything
6: for me for me personally i would say religion um like Whenever, for example, in Essex, whenever I was in a workplace or whenever I was even in school, this Muslim is, uh, I was in that anomaly and it it was not really, like, the school was, I don't think there was more than three Muslims in in the school. So, like, it's always been predominantly, like, thing that's always, I've kind of been known for or, like, always associated with me. And like whenever i go into a workplace for example like if i told them i need to pray then they already have an association of what that is in their head um so it'll always be like i'm representing my religion wherever i go so i would probably say that's like for me that's something i would take on board because i'm always representing it in a way
1: yeah really interesting do you wish that would you Are you happy to be represented by that early or do you wish people knew more to you than just associating you with your religion or
6: whenever I meet someone that's like not ignorant towards it I kind of feel like that's nice because they they kind of already know I don't have to fully explain myself like in environments where people don't know about it I feel like I have to make it I feel like that becomes the center of me because people don't understand it they don't know about it so it's always me explaining that part of me. Whereas if someone has knowledge of it already, it's like, oh, cool. I don't have to make that the main thing about me.
1: Yeah. Oh, that's really interesting. Um Shari needs to leave in a bit. So I'm gonna just pass on to her so she can make her point. But thank you, Asin. That's
4: yeah. So, um I was just gonna say firstly going back to what Fatima said, I think the question Nadim asked you in terms of your position in and um, being a migrant and like understanding both sides of the coin sort of thing play that not only to your strength in terms of like you sound different or whatever but you are kind of like a inspiration to people that want to be like you if not even like in a career terms but like you now have an understanding of what it's like being from there and also coming into the UK and people want to be able to be safe in those places people want to be able to go through what you've gone through and not have to necessarily go through what you go through if that makes sense if, if they have to migrate, they don't want to have to come along with the challenges and that sort of thing. And actually, those challenges will come if there are people that are like you that have gone through the challenges and have st- they still stayed firm and strong in what they are. They want to see people like you and they want to be able to say that this cool. I'm going to go through these challenges, but I know I'm going to get to the point that is that or even even greater than that. So please remember the significance of your journey, not only to you, but to everyone else that has the same position as you. Um, and even to go on from that, I want to say that, obviously, being black is, Mr. Buddy knows that this is one of the biggest things to me, just this, this being black, my, the colour of my skin, not the shade necessarily, but literally just the colour of my skin, like it's just it's just me. And I know that is something that loads of people see, but Yasa made a really good point, it's the idea of ignorance. And I could say that, like with Ozzy's point as well the goalposts are always changing. So sometimes in certain circumstances, I think it's very contextual. So sometimes my key identity and something I put a- ahead of things is the color of my skin. And not only that, but coupled with the fact that I'm female or not male. So it's also the conjunction of some things, but sometimes again, in, in context, it could be the fact that I'm Christian because some people may be ignorant and so they have one misconception about Christianity and so they go along with that sort of thing but that's the only thing they label me as so I can completely understand Yes's point of view and actually really support that because it's very frustrating when somebody's ignorance then becomes your identity that is not your business that is not your concern but the fact that somebody isn't necessarily educated and there's a difference between naivety and ignorance so if you don't know about something and you're willing to be open-minded to find out about it, that's one thing, but the fact that you're being ignorant and then you completely label or make that association to that person. So for me teaching people about what it's like being black, they make that association that all I am is a black person, forgetting that I'm female, forgetting that I'm Christian, forgetting all of these other attributes about me. These are all things that make up this one person, but they're all in, in context. One of them will come out more than the other. And I think that one thing, tends to be the fact that I am black and I have no problem with that because I'm I'm cool being black I love being black so it comes with its problems as as any sort of thing that makes us different but I think the fact that I am black is so is, is it touches I think that's the main one that touches on every single other thing that makes my context so the fact that I'm a black female the fact that I'm a black Christian the fact that I'm a black you know all of these different things I think the me being black is the center of a lot of those things but I think that pushes me a lot more because as in Fatima's context in terms of okay she's a migrant and she's lived in one place I think that's one thing that can push me further so I can be that black person that people need to support but I can be that black female but I can also be that black Christian but I can, do you know you know what I mean so it's it's all depending on the context and I can be that sort of person that people know that she's gone through those challenges but there is security in those places um, because I think even working for Pfizer, one thing I did notice was, okay, there are a couple of Black people here and there, but where is the person I know that's been here for some time, and is secure, and is Black, and I can be comfortable having a conversation with, and I haven't necessarily found that, but what I've decided to do is become that person for me and for everybody else, which is very difficult, but somebody has to do it, do you know what I mean? So I think it is really important to think about, again, as I said about Fatima's point, think about the, the context of your situation, being migrant, being Muslim, being black, whatever it may be, and use it to your strength for yourself and also for the people that are in exactly the same position as you, essentially. But with that, I like, I
6: like that, I like that, I
4: like that. <laughs> oh, thanks. <laughs> with that, I would love to continue. I really, really would, but I have to go. So I will find out more about the whole talk and I'll join in the next one. I'll make sure I'm. I'm free the whole time. So yes.
5: Yeah.
1: Also, just to mention, guys, uh Sherry and Fatima are on a panel with myself on Black Talent within the healthcare sector. So very excited to to yeah. get that. Like, it will be a podcast, a Prosper talk as well. But look out for that. But thank yeah. you very much, Sherry. Yeah. No yeah. worries. See you guys later. Okay. Bye-bye. Bye bye. Bye. Really interesting discussion. Um right, well, let me introduce a new question. Oh, that just, oh, I love talking to you. I love this is why I love critical thinking. It's just it's, it just flows and you know time could just fly. Um, um and I think it's important for us to have these conversations. But
2: um you, you want to jump to the next question, but
1: go on, go on,
2: Yeah, no, I just thought it was it was fascinating listening to listening to, to her speak. And as she was speaking, I was thinking about how maybe it's a kind of conflation in society or maybe it's because we grew up in a very white dominated society that we often think about of our identity as fixed
4: hmm.
2: even when we when we think about identity in the terms of diversity and
6: inclusion it's all things you can tick on a box right you know what you know what i had to build to that sorry to interrupt you but okay. you know what i've a lot of people who have come to this country i feel that I've at, having conversations with them they have always said that one of the main things that they have noticed is that this country specifically puts you in boxes straight as you come, like labels you. So they under they try and have an understanding of you. The other countries, they don't really put you in boxes like that. Is what well, from? what I haven't been to other country, but from conversations, if that if that makes sense. So continue. No, no, it's
2: a great point. And furthermore, I think that it's so interesting because our identity is should and is. Is. Contextual, it should be your choice. You know, this is what life's about is navigating your own identity. And it's almost like being an ethnic minority in the UK or any Western society, whatever it is, you're almost not afforded that same luxury that, say, for example, um, white people are, you know, they don't have to identify themselves as that. And like you were saying, Yarsin, I've had friends who have moved to the country. I know Stephen Bartlett talks about this a lot as well when when he first moved to the com- country from Botswana, he said it was almost like he then realised he was black. So if he had lived his life in Botswana, he might not have identified the same way, you know, his his blackness might not have been so important to him. He might have identified more with his, with his faith or maybe his creativity, whatever it is
1: really really like this, this kind of sounds like the opposite of what I'm actually about to say but like I remember I had a personal experience living in St Lucia and because I'm St Lucia my mum is St Lucia my dad's Dominican but when I moved there I, obviously I was from here and I hadn't been there many times so I've just moved to a new country basically um, kind of coming to terms with my identity my culture get to know um, a bit more about it Um, but I do feel like my mum's kind of introduced me at a young age like I felt like I was logical enough but I went to a local school there because she was born there so I was able to just go there and no one regarded me like here here I'd be like identified as like um uh, black and indian like that's my mates black and indian um like you could like they just I've never been called white that was really it was so strange and I remember going to school there and everyone would be like English British white girl like that was my name white girl was my name and I was just Ooh. like, this white girl's my name, I know. White girl's like actual name, <laughs> which I think is so bizarre. But it just got me thinking that, like, it wasn't until I, because for you, it's like you, for Stephen Butler, he came out of the space and then he saw his blackness. And for me, it's like the other way around. I went into my actual culture identity, but for some reason was still, like, not fully accepted yet. Um, and even sometimes I still feel like, ha- I don't know like I I don't I got such a weird things like when I go back there I, I still don't properly feel fully it is as so much as I love my own culture but it's more like the attitude attitude towards me just being raised and born here it's like I still feel so this, this this in that sense but how, how like, do you manage that though? how do you manage I'm, that <laughs> I think I, I could have been a lot more vocal but I think I was just I think this kind of comes into my topic it's kind of like how do you confront stereotypes and biases and um, misconceptions and I think at the, back then I wasn't comfortable probably in my own sense of to be able to confront it for me it was like oh, I just like laughed it off like it did bother me though I was like wait no no I'm not like I, I am I'm just not from I just wasn't born there but as it doesn't mm. make me any less um, so you've got your hand, your hand up Do you want to you and I'll answer that
5: yeah no I, I think it's so interesting what you said because I think one of the things we've got understand like back home it's it's still a colonization and and um colorism plays a huge factor of like how um we see things like even you can be an indian and then if you're a darker indian in india like you're you're seen differently or if you're white like it's just it's we've been like throughout the whole world we've been colonized in the way that the, the lighter your skin the closer you are to white white so therefore that's essentially how, like that. I think that that just that's in my perception in terms of what I've seen or, or heard as well. But also, I think on the topic of like identity, and what becomes more important to you? I would probably say at my age now, I would say it's over time. Um, it's, it's through growth as well. It's through understanding where you are at. And I think um, Ozzy kind of said it really well. It, it changes and pivots at the moments of learning and growth as well. So there are times. I'm not going to lie. There are times where it's my faith that drives me, and that's my Number one identity, but that's the a, a period aspect of where what I needed at that time. And then but one thing for me with that question is what's been consistent is that my um my race has been what 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 drives me. Whether I look at it, I think what Sherry's point, whether I look at it anywhere else, and although society might judge you based on on this and so on, or shaping it, it still shapes you. So it still builds you, it still puts you the armor to understand and so on. So I would always say, um, Colorism plays a huge factor in terms of where you're trying to be and what people see and perceive of you, but also it's it's over time that you kind of and it's moments. It's not, it doesn't, it's not, it's not stagnant. Also on. I mean, by the one thing that I feel like I'm quite fortunate in is that my um, race, I kind of hide my colour. So that has to be a paramount like power and a shield that I use. I can make it into a negative heavy bag to carry or make it such a, a positive shield and protector and inspiration and so it's it's where you are at you are at as well
1: really interesting um I actually wanted to ask on the topic of like sort of ne- negative um like stigma surrounding your sense of identity like do you think I mean what for you personally I've, that's one answer to it but why do you think people do try to dissociate from expressing their sense of identity? What influences that dissociation? Um, so again, on the topic of like negative stigma, like a lot of it, media plays a massive role in the narrative. It could be age, your gender, your race, it could be anything, but um, you know what, I'm just kind of just putting it out there, what sort of things do you kind of hear about your your sense of identity, whether fire the media, fire others, or just another factor that makes people feel disconnected in that way? Um, Ozzy, go on.
2: Well, you kind of alluded to it in in your introduction. It's it's largely dependent on your environment. So, for example, the media you consume, the the people you hang around with, your social and cultural capital, all have a huge influence in how you internalize your own identity. Because yeah. at the end of the day, we're all products of our environment, and if we're if the only source of knowledge and our source of of information is coming from somewhere that that demonizes our our culture that stigmatizes our identity then of course we're going to internalize that in in damaging ways I know for example speaking it's something me and Yasin have chatted about quite a bit growing up in in Essex as some of the only Muslims in our schools and in our own environments you do find it a lot easier to internalize a a almost like a self-hatred because that's all you're surrounded by negative negative connotations and discriminations. Mm-hmm. However, if I grew up in Birmingham, or if I grew up in London for for my life, I might have not had that.
6: I've self-hatred. seen sorry to interrupt you. I, I completely agree with you, but it's like what as you were saying, I've seen it where it's like someone has an identity which is like, for example, they will be either mixed or like there'll be uh, they'll be of a different ethnicity, but they will trying to identify with like the white people as much as they can, almost like a self internalized kind of thing. I've seen it so much, and in my head, I'm like, cool, that's I, you're never going to be accepted the way they are in my head. So, why would you want to do that? So, yeah,
2: yeah. You, you know, you know, why we're, we're so good at spotting it mm. because we've been there, mm. we've all been. Especially growing up in Essex, we've we've all been that guy who's just trying to fit in, who's just trying to, you know, your brain at the most fundamental function is for survival. Yeah. So it only makes sense that it would it would try to adjust and take the easiest route.
1: Yeah, of course. Uh, just to add to that, Aussie, funny story, guys. And I think I mentioned this years ago to like the when uh in our mentoring group. I'll never forget I used to say that I was Scottish guys i'm not even white <laughs> like i because I, i'm so embarrassed by it but i went to a my primary school was like majority it was it wasn't hackney um uh, but white middle class had to be our majority still so you'd think it'd be more diverse so you know london is multicultural but you know they still are the minority in really? london um I remember for years being like, no, I didn't want to, I never wanted to say I was, I had Indian within me. I said I was Caribbean. Um, I didn't know much about my Indian culture. My mom's um, Indo-Caribbean. So like our, my granddad moved to the St. Lucia and that's how the mix began. So I don't really know much about my Indian side. I wish I did. Um, but I remember just being like, no, just because of all the narratives that went around, especially in primary school, people are brutal. And I remember someone like someone was like, "Your hair's so thick." Like that was one of the p- responses I got towards me. Like that was rude. Um, and I, I took it, I took it so offensively. Um, and also, yeah, just 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 being dissociated. I used to say, "Yeah, no, I'm half Scottish, half Caribbean." like that was it's um, a low point in my eye I, I just have to share that because that's how like I know everyone's been through it. I know everyone has has tweaked a little bit of where they have just because of what they hear all the jokes all the stereotypes biases that they hear towards it um and it's like how do we save our future generations from doing that again I would never want my child to dissociate from any of their racial identity or cultural identity so kind of putting it out there I, I want this I don't want this conversation to be so like not sad but I want it to be how do we tackle the issue so you put your hand up Go on.
5: yeah I was gonna say like um it's really funny even listening to you and and so on because you will not have been the only generation to do that um and there are people blatantly in class where they're asking the teachers to say their name in a certain way please just so that they don't they have to survive throughout the day and stuff and so on um but I think like the positivity of this as well is that um these spaces and these conversations Almost empowers that that like people have gone through this in order to make it better tomorrow. And also that coming to your identity and, and realizing that you have to do certain things to survive, and you no longer have to change your identity to survive now. That is the aspect of like your children are gonna be fine. That's how you know mm-hmm. when I'm talking to you guys, like they're gonna be fine because you now are. The, the the way we, the world evolving in a certain way and, and creating new spaces and new form of knowledge and new form of like uh, understanding is that you now know the truth about you you're not just being told by a system that's trying to make you conform to them you're now going uh, I'm sorry like no we've got sick food or we've got like we actually created this or you know how great you know how great my culture is do you know the fact that I know a little bit of history about who I can trace my lineage of where I'll come from and what my culture, my like all of that is so empower, powerful. So I think that in itself, and that's why i like this month being Black History, I was having a conversation with a couple of other, other groups and, and this is what was coming out in terms of, it's like, no, we don't have to learn about slavery anymore. Hey, can we learn about this what's happened? That's what happened. So therefore you're starting to slowly and like naturally in an environment where your culture and your identity becomes the truth because you now have all the facts. Um, and then everyone else, whether they like it or not, has all the facts. So you could never now say, you know, by you not being British, it means you're this. It's like, mm, actually, the fact that I'm not British means I, I've actually got this, 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 and the other. Someone on a panel the other day, just, just was finishing up the last bit, and one of the girls um, who's in the only black girl in, I think, in, um, in the British Winter Olympics team. And she had to explain um, to her colleagues about why she had seven different names and then um, they were like wow why have you got like nigerian why have you got so many so like, actually do you know in our culture it's actually an honor that people want to name you like it's such an honor that different households and family want to give you a name that's giving you the life and more blessings upon blessings about who you are and so it became a whole thing of like and i'm listening to that going oh my gosh look at this 19 year old girl who's in the national is olympian and it's educating people around her to say like, I'm sorry you don't have seven names, but I do. And this is what it means for for, for us. And, and like, and I was just like, yeah, we're good. Sorry.
4: Really
0: interesting. To wrap up, you know, we spoke a lot about identity, what maybe the challenges of king with our identity, but I wanna, you know, Purdue is a solution-based organization. We always want to do solutions. Whenever we critically think, we want it so that we can come with a solution out of it. And I guess I, I want to hear everyone's opinions on how what of our identity can be our superpower why does that make us different I know Sarah's really big on this using our our history our experiences our culture our heritage as our superpower to change the narrative to change the future so uh, I guess anyone out there you can speak on it
2: I'm just really going to going to echo what you've both been saying which is that there's multiple steps that we need to take but the first and arguably most important step is to empower yourself because then you can empower others, then you can empower your community. So it's, it's being proud of your culture, it's learning more about the history, it's having conversations like this to really build up your, cult, your culture and social capital. And then we can go out into the world and start, start inventing policies, start, start voicing it to others. But I think the most important step is is
6: the work you do with yourself first and foremost. I I agree with that. And I think that um, when it comes to like discussions, it's very easy for someone to be like a bit angry or a bit maybe upset that someone hasn't taken the time to understand them. Um, And that causes a lot of people to be like, you know what, I don't really want to educate them because they're frustrated. No one's trying to understand them. But the thing is, you will not make change unless you are the one to start educating people. So it's like, especially coming from, for example, if you've never had to like kind of explain yourself, and then you go into an environment where you have to explain yourself, like for example, one of my one of my boys in in Birmingham, he he lives in Alan Rock, right? Which is if you know Alan Rock, it's very much there's no white people there at all, right? So he was telling me like it was a very unique dialogue. He was like, um. I don't know how to talk to white people. I was like, what do you mean? Uh, He's like, I've never like had to work with them or whatever. And I was like, wow, okay. So for him, it was like this hurdle he had to get over. I was like, they're just people like everyone else. But the more you surround yourself with them, you're going to like understand, right? But if he wasn't willing to have them like dialogues in that environment, he wouldn't be, he wouldn't, they wouldn't understand him, if that makes sense. I don't know if I've articulated it right, but yeah you have to kind of be willing to explain to people sometimes although it's it's kind of annoying you have to do it
1: yeah exactly like I think what I've noticed is that people there's like two ways people go people really get really frustrated with the narrative and sometimes feed into it so then it's like oh how can I put it there's so many factors that come into that play but say there's like a bias towards you people like fine that's how you see me Then I'll be like that and then it just perpetuates the problem and it doesn't change obviously other factors play, play a role in that but a lot of it is actual anger from the media and mm-hmm. people with that with that misconception so there's one way going about it and yeah I think the other side is like have been upfront and having those conversations people like a lot of people I, from my like seminar groups they always say oh I come to this university um to um be in a more diverse space to learn more to Broaden my insights and my awareness. Like people actively want to learn. Maybe they've been brought up in a predominantly white area, for example, not their fault, that's just where they happen to live. Um, but the fact that they're even open to the idea of learning and growing, like, is enough um to to set foot and be like, you know what, Pe- not everyone is ignorant, not everyone is oblivious, people just, just they just have never ex- had access to that knowledge. But it becomes problematic where you know you're talking to people who don't listen. And the book. Mm-hmm. I rec- i'll share it with you guys as a blog um the woman i think her name is ready at a lunch but she was the one that writes about um why well, i'm no, no longer speaking to white people about race and she was talking about how she's just tired of speaking to people who just don't get it and that's another part of it that comes with it it's like you could t- speak your truth so much but if you if people are never really going to understand it what's the point and in some ways i agree with her it's tiring but in other ways, it's like You've, the, the fight is the, there's so much history that's led to this narrative that we, that's, there's so much to deconstruct and it's going to take a lot out of you to deconstruct it but we need people who are who are willing to do that rather than just be like can't be bothered, not saying that's how she was but um, I just thought it's, it's a hard fight um, and it's going to be angry, it's going to be annoying but the fact that we're even open to the idea of speaking is the first step um, Nadine you've got your hand up
0: yeah I think it's just relating to that point exactly in terms of our parents, especially like i'm 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 uh would I be second generation because my parents immigrate here? Would I be class second generation or first yeah, second or first generation? I always I always get confused. but anyway, I'm, <laughs> I'm, I'm about immigrants. and our my parents had to do a lot to pay with. they basically, the way I think is that they had to enter a new frontier. there were a new frontier of a wave of people entering a space that was, not, it was, I guess, or borderline hostile. It is hostile to it, to create opportunities for me to grow. And now our generation, those who are either children of immigrants or maybe grandchildren of immigrants, we're entering a new frontier, a new, I guess, battlefront where we have to have the patience and also the knowledge and will to cement our spots in this place. Because we are now part of this community. We are part of this nation. So we have to cement our spot and basically do like what our parents and grandparents did before us. Any Any words, uh, sir?
5: Yeah, and no, I think that's really important and really good in terms of like ensuring you're you're trying to build the legacy that your grandparents and, and parents have done and, and people that have done. You know, I always say we're we're all building off the. I know I'm building off the shoulders of my ancestors and hopefully more will build off my shoulders and so on and so forth. And that's what we do. We, 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 we're the leverage for them for for greater what that looks like. But I would also just air to like the reason why a lot of people like I can only speak from a black experience who feel sometimes tired about explaining often because the issues we're trying to explain or appease is nothing that we caused. So I always often when people go like, right, Badu, like, how do you combat this racism well I'm like, I'm sorry, I don't, I don't cause racism. So I don't actually have that. That's, a, that's, a, that's, a, that's in your mindset and then something that's your thinking or when you're um, hating on Islamophobia and so on, it's like, no, you said that about me. I didn't say that about me. So you've got that in your head and how, like, and, and it can be time to always, cause explaining the reason why I think sometimes people feel tired about it is because it's like, I now have to reassure you in some way, like, I'm, I'm sorry that I have to keep making sure that you are okay um, in spaces, because that's essentially what it becomes. And on, unless, and then I think like I've got really great like um, white colleagues and white friends and stuff like that who essentially try and do the work. I mean, when I don't know if you've ever listened to a podcast called Nice White Parents, and I would urge you because it's done by a white woman who actually seeks to do that work to support the education system that's predominantly destroying the black and global majority community i think it's more like the mexicans and hispanics um within within that that based in america but it's things like that that i know but also i feel what we can do into the solutions which i always try to do is how do we create more spaces like this which celebrates us because it, it becomes an uh, internalized mindset we use this as the or these talks and, and these sessions as a um, as a, a positive antidote, antidote to get you out in the world, that is changing but not at the pace that your emotion, your and your safety. So, I think that's that's what I would say. Like celebrate, like you know, is the du- the other the other day, and, and a lot of like my colleagues and friends, we we shared that light and we talked about it. Or if it's Eid, like we because it's it's at you know, it's the global majority, and you hear me say black and global majority because within the global majority, actually look how many things we got to. To enjoy and, and, and identify, and we just—and it's not about hating anyone else. It's just embracing what we have already. Yes, sir.
6: Um, like obviously, I, I just heard you say that. I understand that we, you know, why people are tired, right? Um, my question would be like, then how would I how how would I articulate it? Um, do we have like a like, have to keep explaining ourselves basically do we have to keep like justifying or like trying to explain why and constantly or is it if we just stop doing that then i'm a bit conflicted between explaining and then like you know what i don't have to explain using your problem not my problem
5: i'm conflicted between the, the two um i mean happy to answer that because i think my thing is in terms of that it's like if you spend your whole time and your whole day or the few years trying to almost re-educate someone who has a different negative connotation about you. Um, you're doing it to hundreds and then you're almost doing it in every space to justify your existence in that space. And sometimes mm-hmm. that could be quite draining emotionally. Mm-hmm. But what you can do is like, for instance, that do put some proud to be. As our Black History Celebration, to invite everyone to the culture. If you want to know, come, come and see us. Like, come and join, come and talk to us. Come and think about. You don't. It doesn't have to be where I'm in a conversation full of people from other cultures. Where I'm now telling you how you should be. Like, you say you want to do the work, do the journey. Then, like, come on that journey. And that's my, that's my always my thing, Like, because I work, we work so hard as an organization to build spaces that includes. We, we've ne- we don't know exclusion, we, we built to include. And so if you, if, if, and the reason why we had to, because we wasn't welcome anywhere else. So we've had to build those spaces. Now you say, oh, I wanna know more. I wanna, oh, cool, then come to the spaces that we've had to build and learn rather than having me come to your space and sit with 20 white people to explain why I should be acknowledged or so as like, about how I feel or my pain. Cause most of it is pain and trauma. I think what people don't understand, it's like, I'm explaining this to you from a point where my race should not have existed. There was an agenda to, exi- ex- to be exi- extinct. And I still stand here today, still trying to portray, like if, for instance, as a black boy, if all you've seen is that, this is what the media said, I, like, hey, you can actually try and have it cross the road and come and talk to me and we could, have a conversation so I think that's just what I think they mean by explaining it's setting up rooms and setting up situations for me to explain to you how we want to bring peace like no I, I, I didn't I, I, I'm good I've I'm, 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 I'm been I've been about peace <laughs> I haven't got a history that said I've done anything in a way that's um, destroyed yeah. anyone like yeah Aussie, sorry <laughs> uh, thank you thank you
2: No, I'm just going to probably echo what Nana was talking about, which is the fact that when you focus on empowerment, there's no need to explain yourself because the work will speak for itself. And I'm I'm assuming that that's why empowerment is such a fundamental value at Badu, as it should be everywhere as well. Because when you empower your community, when you empower yourself, people are going to be drawn to you. People are going to want to come. Come learn about it, and you won't have to teach them because they'll make the effort themselves. So I think that's why empowerment is so important in in companies, in in communities, and for yourself. Mm-hmm. Because the work will speak. You won't have to.
0: What an amazing point! And I think this is a perfect way to sort of wrap it up. You know, this is all about changing the narrative. That's the thing that we need to do. Empower. You know, each other and change the narrative so that we don't have to do explaining. They can just witness and see it live, you know, live in the flesh, see that what we truly are and what we're going to do, and that's change the narrative and change the future. You know, so this is honestly amazing. What an amazing start to Prosper Talks. And, I've, you know, you guys are so inspirational. Thank you so much, Mr. Badu, for, you know, giving, your, you know, giving us your insights. You know, we all enjoyed everything that you had to say. And anything else? Any last words, Shan?
1: No, uh, I just want to echo what Liam said. Like I, like I said, I absolutely love the fact that um, we get time to speak about these issues and to hear perspective and to hear lens. And I think every after every conversation that we have is so empowering moving forward. Like I feel so inspired from this chat, um, and I, I hope you guys do feel as well. Um, but I think we need more. Says so right, we need more spaces where. We have this element of comfortability where we can work with strategy, solution, but understand the feelings and anxieties that come from these topics that are significant in our in our professional journey. So I just want to thank you all for joining us today.
0: Thank you for listening to our very first Prosper Talks. If you're interested in joining the Prosper Network, follow us on Instagram and LinkedIn at The Prosper Network, where you can have access to the application form and also other information and resources in order to support you in your futures. And stay tuned to the Prosper Talk so that you can hear even more amazing conversations and hopefully special guests in the future too.